Hey, it's Bob Stoffer. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Oilers Now ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer, weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. We return to Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Brought to you by Digitex. Office Equipment Solutions North America wide. Yeah, Digitex does that. D I G I T E X dot C A on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. Welcome back, everybody. It's 1234 in Edmonton. This is Oilers Now. Bob Stoffer with you. Want to tell you the guests on the show receive gift certificates to Roos Chris Steakhouse. Follow the sizzle to Alberta's own Roos Chris Steakhouse, 9990 Jasper Avenue. Tell Maggie and the staff at Roos Chris that Oilers Now uh, sent you. Uh, a couple texts here. Uh, lots of thoughts. Uh, some of you don't like the concept of trading Paul Yarvey for a prospect like a Julian Goche. Remember, the agent has made uh, Paul Yarvey's perspective uh, quite overt. Um this text comes in from Todd. He says, Mr. Gretzky, Wayne Gretzky was just on the show in the previous segment. Uh, where did the text go? That's the worst. Uh, Todd wanted to uh, thank us for uh, having uh, Wayne on the show. Well, you know what? We're going to, any anytime you get a chance to have the greatest player in the history of the game on your radio show, you're going to take it. I think John Shannon, who... Uh, has been involved in television production and both behind the scenes and on air would probably agree with that. Is that correct, John? You get a chance to get Wayne on the show, you got to let it roll, don't you? Are you Are you telling me Wayne was on before me? Yeah. Oh, <laughs> of course. That's what we would always do. Always. Um, sort of comes with the territory. You know, some pretty in- interesting perspectives. He was never drafted himself, talked about the depth and talked about... Um, sort of the approach that Ken ha- Holland has, you know, reputation for over-percolating in Detroit, uh, the Oilers uh, adding another d- defenseman, uh, Philip Roberg. John, uh, on today's show, we do have Ken Danico coming up out of uh, New Jersey as well, and I think yeah. it's fair to say, first the Devils winning the lottery, and then getting P.K. Subban, so on Friday night, Hughes, the number one story, number one overall pick, Saturday, the trade of P.K. Subban. Did the New Jersey Devils uh, win the NHL draft in Vancouver? Well, let's just put it this way. They had a very good weekend. Uh, when you consider that Jack Hughes is going to uh, help them on the offensive side, and then uh, PK is going to help them. Hey, he, he might help them on both ends, on the power play for sure with that big shot, and then defensively. And, and the one thing I would say is that uh, beyond what the actual two players can do, it probably was a little bit of a bolster to making sure or trying to ensure that Taylor Hall returned Bingo. to New Jersey long-term because he and PK are buddies, obviously, from days gone by, and uh, Jack Hughes and Taylor have a bit of a relationship. So it was uh, it was a big day for Taylor Hall as well. Yeah, uh, you take a look at the Devils. I mean, uh, I... I th- Personally, I don't know what you think. I personally believe that Hughes has a higher upside uh, than Nico Heischer. Uh, you know, I, I to me, Hughes is more along the lines of a Patrick Kane-esque type of player. Uh, Heischer, to me, is more like a Nugent Hopkins, which is not an insult, just a little bit different. But I think the offensive ceiling's higher. Um, New Jersey's a little light on wingers, but now on the right side, they John, they have P.K. Subban. They have Damon Severson and... 
Oh, by the way, they have Sammy Votnin, and they drafted yeah. uh, the Smith, Ty Smith last year. He's probably going to make their team this year on the left side with Butcher and Green. Uh, I could see them maybe moving Votnin for a forward at some stage. Yeah, you know, the, the one thing that I would give Ray Sherrill credit for, he's uh, he's had the ability in, in the previous lives to uh, understand that he, in order to get to the next level, he's not can't be afraid to, to make moves. I remember when Marion Hosa showed up in Pittsburgh, uh, uh, to help uh, get them to the Stanley Cup final in 2008. Um, so I mean, it, it, Ray is uh, Ray's got the opportunity uh, and and uh, and the ability to uh, to improve the improve the Devils almost at will. Uh, the biggest question for me about New Jersey is: is Can Corey Schneider return yeah. to some level of uh, consistency? Uh, we saw glimpses of it late in the season, but uh, staying healthy and being consistent are going to be big issues from in NHL for New Jersey. Sorry, John, from NHL Hockey and Rogers. We're joined by John Shannon, Bob Stoffer with you at Oilers. Now, one thing that I found really interesting, John, is I, I had the uh, the uh, Binoc on Ton Dundon. You're on the floor, but I was watching Ton Dundon, and man, talk about a talk about a whirly dervish. We won't even get into the uh, uh, the attire at the uh, 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 dress code fine for me. That was a dress code fine. Yeah, well, Lululemon's happy, uh, but I digress. Um, Carolina, they have Sebastian Ajo, represented by Jerry Johansson out of Edmonton. Uh, they take on, they get a first round draft choice for taking on Patrick Marlowe's contract. And I don't think they're close to done. Do you? No, I don't. Uh, well, first of all, they have to find somebody to play goal for them. Uh, that's a, that's a that's an issue. Uh, the Ajo one is interesting, Bob. You and I have talked about it on this show before. I I think if and it's a big if still. If there's an offer sheet to come, I would put the offer sheet to Ajo at the top of the list for me because uh, I, I I'm keep getting told that the the uh, the Hurricanes are talking uh, max term at $6 million, which, by the way, isn't as much as Marlowe will make next year if he plays for them. Uh, but you know darn well somebody could probably come in and, and, and buck that number way up uh, for what Sebastian Ahu is. Uh, the, the, Tom Dundon um, doesn't want to pay to the, to the ceiling. Tom Dundon wants to uh, be closer to the floor. And so the interesting thing is that he's, he's very trustworthy of his analytics group. Yes. And, and uh, it'll be interesting to see what happens over the next couple of weeks when it comes to what the Hurricanes have to do because they sold a ton of they sold a ton of, when I talk about ton, three to four million dollars worth of tickets uh, in their playoff run for next season uh, and I think they have to have their fingers crossed the talent they put on the ice is comparable to what people saw through the second half of the season. Well, wait a sec. So what you're saying to me is they would go the eight years on Ajo, but they only want to go to $6 million a year? That's the number I'm hearing approximately, oh. yes. He's going to get eight or nine, isn't he? Uh, I think so. I, I think he's a huge talent. Like, I mean, I mean when you, look, when you look at what they have to do, I mean, Sebastian Ajo is, is going to be a, an elite player for a long time in this league. Yeah, he's a he's a heck. I mean, I can't. Wow. Uh, again, you can uh, <clears throat> text us at six thirty six thirty. Tweet us at orders now. Email us orders now at six thirty chat dot com. We've got John Shannon. Uh, so we talked a bit about New Jersey. We talked a bit about Carolina, Edmonton, Broberg, and Lavoie. Did they leave the draft with two first round picks? What do you think? 
Well, I, I, you know, the, I don't know enough about Groberg, but I, you know, in, one, in talking to people, that uh, once he finishes his duties at home, he's he's going to be a very good player for this organization for a long time. And all of a sudden, all of a sudden, when you look at the depth on the blue line for the Oilers, uh, there has to be a few smiles on a few people's faces within the organization. The Lavoie one is an interesting one. I, he, he and the kid that the the Russian kid that Canucks got might be the two steals of the draft. Uh, I, I think that uh, I think I, I love that I love the the pick. I, I think he can do a ton of stuff once he's motivated. And I truly believe that a guy like Dave Tippett and the coaching staff will be able to motivate him. So uh, to me, long term, long term, I think the Lavoie deal is going to come up being a, a really shiny object for this for this franchise. And we're going to hear from Scott Howells in a little bit later on. John, I would, I've would i never said this in the last 11 years that I've done the color of the team's games. I now believe if we start the season in Edmonton and Broberg, Bouchard, and Yamamoto, all first-rounders, are not with the Oilers. If they're, you know, uh, if Broberg's either in Sweden or playing in Hamilton for Stevie Stales, uh, yep. and then obviously if Bouchard and Yamo are down on the minors, um and then you got, uh, you know, Benson's second-round pick, McLeod's second-round pick. Those guys are down in Bakersfield. Lavoie back in junior. I, I would say it's the deepest the Oilers have been prospect base-wise over the last decade-plus. I can't recall another time they'd have this many, you know, pretty good-caliber players. They've made use of some second-round picks that have got some ceilings because part of the reason why they're in the position they're in, John, is they struck out from 2009 to 2014. They did not get impactful second-round picks in those draft years. Well, and, and you know what? There's a reason that Keith Gretzky hung around, uh, and I think that Ken Holland saw the value that, uh, that Keith has brought to the organization. Uh, and I think that, that the level of communication between these two guys, uh, to me, is a, a real positive out of what has happened since Kenny got hired. So uh, I, I think you're right, and I, I totally agree that uh, uh, as good as Bakersfield was last year and the, and the depth that was coming out in the American Hockey League, it could even be better. And the oldest, and I'm sure Wayne talked about it, uh, as Kenny has talked about many times, if you can keep your guys in the minors or playing professional hockey in Sweden to grow into men, then you're going to be much better off in the long run. In the short run, you know what? Might be a little bit of pain, but you don't want to you, know, you don't want to throw the baby out with the bathwater at times when you're trying to make players mature and grow and be more and bit better contributors long term for the organization. John Shannon joining us in orders now. Bob Stoffer with you, John. I got a question here. So there were no trades officially made Friday night. Focus was on the players that were drafted. Okay? Before we got started Saturday, we'd already heard about both Marlowe and Subban. Yeah. Is there gentlemen's agreement on written rule to not upstage the draft with blockbuster trades of the first night? No. Uh, here's, what, here's what I would tell you right now about Friday night. And, and I'm not uh, deep into the, into the world of prospects. But in walking around on Thursday, walking around on Friday, everybody kept saying the same thing. If we can get into the top 20, we can get a good player. If we can get into that group, uh, you know, that, that, that will allow us to take one of those kids, um, then, you know what, then we're going to try to do it. But we're only going to do it if we can get a first-round pick. Uh, and there was no way this draft may not have been the flashiest draft, 
beyond Hughes and Cackle. But I'll tell you what, they there are some players here that are going to play in the NHL for a long period of time. Second-rounders, too, Bob. This, is, this was an impressive draft in the long run. I, uh, walking uh, off the floor at one point, I saw Bob Murray. He was like a kid on Christmas Day uh, when they got who they got uh, at number nine. That's uh, Matthew they, Boldy. He, that's right. And so no, they got Zegras. Sorry. They got Zegras. That's right. But, they, but he was absolutely thrilled, thrilled at what he got. And then Jim Benning with the Podlinski, he, they were thrilled with what they got. So all of a sudden, all of a sudden, this draft got deeper and deeper and deeper, and nobody was prepared to move one of those picks, and particularly after Stevie took the young German, and it really opened up a, a can of worms. And play, teams that were in that 9, 10, 11, 12 spot didn't want to get rid of them because they had a chance to get a good player. Well, one of the things that's interesting, Detroit's based, you know, the U.S. National Development Program is based in Detroit, in Plymouth, which is a suburb of Detroit. Uh mm-hmm. And both Detroit and Edmonton passed on U.S. national development players. Now, the top two, you know, let's not forget Hughes and Turcott went one and five. I doubt they would have been passing on either of those two guys. But it is interesting that, you know, the Detroit and the Oilers went a slightly different route given the amount of viewings those respective organizations would have had out of that next tier of American players. Funny, funny you say that because I was standing uh, near the front of the draft, near the draft stage, uh, and uh, with Shane Doan, and Shane said, if anybody's going off the off the map, if everybody's going off the board, it'll be Steve Eiserman. And little lo and behold, uh, he, he went off the board, a, a player that was certainly a first-rounder, uh, but in fact, Steve probably couldn't trade down for what he wanted to get for it, could not trade down and guarantee that he would get the young German. So from that perspective, uh, it was Steve Eiserman who changed the tone of that first round, and I, I think, therefore, Changed a lot of the people saying, "Well, I'm not trading my first round pick." Hey, uh, how much did the cap coming in at eighty five point eighty one point five million change things for the GMs around the league, John? I think it changed it a bit. I mean, I think there are, you know, let's face it, in the summertime, Bob, you can be ten percent over. Sure. So the real the real cap right now is just over eighty eight, and then you have to scramble. Um, but what I, uh, but I do think it, it it changed a few things for a couple of guys that are hedging. You know, I think it changed a little bit for Kyle Dubas, uh, who, uh, who who is two guys in Kapanen and Janssen sitting waiting to sign their deals based on what happens with Mitch Marner and what they will get. And whether it's 500000 here or 500000 there, it does change a little bit of the, of the concept. Uh, you know, I think over the next two or three days, I think we're going to get a real feel how the cap at 81.5 affects general managers when you see a few more dollars prospects, uh, con- like big dollar contracts for prospects trades that you literally force and, and buy your way through a first round pick by taking on a big contract. Well, I mean, let's face it, Nashville, you know, they did a salary dump with P.K. Subban, but Toronto's salary dump cost them a conditional number one, albeit a non-lottery pick. From your perspective, how do you think that's played? Like, that doesn't that seem like a pretty steep cost to dump Marlowe? It is, but I mean, I think there's a real, real thought process here in Toronto that what you're getting rid of it is your, uh, you, you know, you're getting rid of uh, what pick 26, 27, 28, uh, and everybody has been so focused on dumping 10 million dollars, and the obvious 10 million dollars are six and 6.25 in Marlowe and a little bit more than and a little bit more than four million in Zaitsev. 
So from that perspective, I think everybody was on board with getting rid of Barlow, not worrying about the price. The Toronto Maple Leafs are in a now position, Bob. They're not in a, in a, in a, in a, in a build situation. They're in a now position, and there's a lot of pressure, particularly in this city after the basketball team winning. There's a lot of pressure to win sooner not later. Well, they're going to have to improve their defense to do so. There's no question uh, about that. Rule changes. What did you get out of that? Well, I mean, I, I think it's pretty obvious that the you know, the video review thing was going to happen, needed to happen. Gary wanted it to happen. Um, I think that the uh, the concept, the Belsky rule, makes a ton of sense. Uh, that, that the uh, referees can review I believe we've lost John Shannon here, so we'll just get Brendan Escott to uh, recalibrate that for us. Uh, This text comes in at 630-630 on our Heartland Ford text line. Bob, quick call Ken Holland. Tell him to get the Hurricanes on the phone. Maybe they'll take Nugent Hopkins and Pulley Arby as a package for Ajo. Uh... And then call uh, Montreal, tell them to take Lucic and something uh, for Duran, since the Canadians, as it sounds like, both sides are unhappy. What do you think? Don't know about that. I, I For the record, I am stunned that he's only willing, uh, only willing to go six, you know. It's a low end on Ajo. I, it's not going to work for Jerry Johansson. I saw Jerry uh, Thursday and Saturday in uh, in Vancouver. Uh, he's going to get Ajo done. Sorry, John, we we got you back here just on the the rule potential rule changes and further uh, video work. Yeah, I, I, well, I I think I think with with what they're trying to do is they're trying to get rid of that last percentile of controversial goals and and situations that we at home see long before the referees who only see it once can rule on it. And I think that that's, that's not a bad thing. Um, you know, if we, can, if we can eliminate the Eric Car- the, the hand pass on the Eric Carlson overtime goal, we can eliminate Joe Pavelski uh, or, or Cody Eakin getting a five-minute major for, for something that might not have even been a penalty. That's an important thing. All right, uh, John, great stuff. Uh, free agency, final question. Uh, it's by this time next week we're going to be rolling into it. Where does Brett Connolly end up? Oh gosh, of all my players on my list, I haven't really thought much about Brett Connolly, but because uh... he's in the price range that Edmonton might be able to afford, depending upon if they are able to move Poliarvi in the next three or four days, and what type of player they get back, maybe they can get in on a guy like Connolly who'd be a middle six forward here. Perhaps. Perhaps. I mean, let's face it. The one thing that Kenny always needs is he needs depth players, uh, and that's going to. And he's always focused on making sure that it's not just two or three guys, but it's it's ta- it's all twelve forwards that can c- contribute. So, uh, Conley might be a good fit in Edmonton. All right, John. Great stuff. Thanks for your time. Yes, sir. That is John Shannon from NHL Hockey and Rogers. It's 12.53. Mark Spector, Stoffer Inspector for the Horses, Horse Race in Alberta, Live Racing Century Mile. Thursday night, Saturday and Sunday, Speck will join us in studio for an hour. We'll hear from Craig Simpson on Wednesday, Louis DeBrusque and Brian Burke on Thursday, and Elliot Friedman on Friday. By the way, yeah, might be the last time in uh, the 2018-19 season we hear from those guys. Uh, we'll take a quick timeout. This is Oilers Now. 
This is Connor McDavid from your Edmonton Oilers, and you're listening to Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer on 630 Chad. It's 12.56 in Edmonton. This is Oilers Now. I want to tell you, the best pizza in the city still make a great Royal Pizza. Royal Pizza, pizza past and so much more. 50 years Edmonton owned and operated for many locations. The Silver Anniversary Royal Pizza. Visit royalpizza.ca or download the Royal Pizza app from the App Store. You can text us at 630-630. Uh, Walter in Sherwood Park says, Hey, Bob, what do you think we'd have to uh, give up to get uh, Kawhi? Oh, I think the acquisition... Well, he's an unrestricted free agent, is he? No, he's... How's that work? He's... he's he, Yeah, now he is an unrestricted free agent. He's going to get the max, isn't he? Be a tough deal to execute. This text comes in. Uh, Bob, the massive stupidity on the Oilers' Twitterverse around the draft must have been mind-blowing for Ken Holland. I'll go with a guy with his background before some online moron any day. Uh, I, I think the good thing that I'll tell you as I don't think that Ken Holland worries as much as to what's out there in the Twitterverse than maybe some other people that are in those roles around the league. That's what I will share with you. Uh, again, you could t- I think he cares about what the fans think, but I-, I think that he would sit there and say, well, how many of the fans have actually seen Broberg play maybe other than on TV? Now, at Edmonton, some of you did see him play last year at the Lenka Gretzky, and if you did, you would have liked him. In the second hour of the show, which Brendan Escott will guide, we'll have NHL Today for Elite Promotional Marketing, a one-on-one conversation with Oilers uh, VP of uh, Player Development, Scott Hausen. We will have a conversation with Ken Bookham Danico, New Jersey Devils broadcaster on the acquisition of P.K. Subban and on Jack Hughes, and a one-on-one with Oilers first o- uh, round pick, eighth overall, Philip Broberg. Off to a global news weather traffic update with Eileen Bell. Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Weekdays at noon on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad.